Let us begin simply with this phrase echoing in our hearts. Let us be worthy of our callings. And follow that with these words that really begin almost every letter that Paul writes in the New Testament. This traditional greeting that offers grace. Let's pause for just a moment and allow that word to resonate in our hearts and minds. Grace. Nothing we can earn. We don't work for it. We can't accomplish it. It comes to us as a free, unfettered gift. God's gift to us in Jesus, grace. The stress you feel, the inadequacy you sense, grace. You are accepted. You are loved. You are vital. Grace. Therefore, you can be at peace. This extraordinarily difficult word to really wrap our hearts and minds around in these days of complexity and confusion and division and divisiveness. We can be at peace. We must experience God's peace that comes to us through Grace in Jesus. Grace to you and peace. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we give thanks. Also with virtually every letter in the New Testament that Paul writes, grace and peace is immediately followed as Shelley read from Philippians, also just a moment ago. I give thanks every time I remember you. Constantly praying. Gratitude is this culminating gift that comes from grace and peace. I'm grateful. And what a gift gratefulness is it can make a difference in everything, in how we view one another and how we experience life and how we treat other people. To have a sense of gratitude because of grace and peace changes everything. Paul addresses this congregation in Thessalonica. It wasn't his first letter. This is second Thessalonians. And in this second letter, and perhaps additional communication, there is this gratitude, not only for the people, but also for their growing faith. Paul commends them. Your faith is growing. Now, there's always a context in the New Testament, whether it's the trajectory and stories Jesus is telling or 
the background that Paul is living, it turns out there is context for this phrase. Your faith is growing. In the first letter to the group in this church in Thessalonica, Paul had talked about Jesus coming like a thief in the night. Some of you are familiar with, this is, by the way, Damon Corn's favorite hymn. Uh, Hank Williams wrote, I saw the light. I wandered so aimless, lost in my sin, I wouldn't let my dear Savior in. Then Jesus came like a thief in the night, or stranger in the night. Some translations of Hank Williams put it from his dialect into thief in the night. It's actually, First Thessalonians is where this phrase come from, came from, where it came from. Hank Williams actually was quoting scripture. Jesus came, or maybe coming like a thief in the night. This is what Paul says to the church in Thessalonica. So these people in this context take Paul at his word, not realizing that this was metaphorical language. They, some of them, quit their jobs, put down their tools, left their livelihoods and went up on a hill, dressed in white, waiting for Jesus to return. Paul finds out about this and tries to remedy the situation. This reminds me of what occurred, uh, according to folks in my hometown, Signal Mountain, Tennessee, in the church not far from where we lived. Preacher focused on not so much growing people's faith as increasing people's fear. Preached a lot about hell and the end of the world and that said that one sermon he was preaching away, he said, brothers and sisters, hell is filled with big houses, fancy cars, fine wine, beautiful women. And about that time, a fellow stood up in the background and said, oh, death, where is thy sting? Sometimes we focus on the wrong stuff, and Paul is trying to address this and reminding this church, you've gotten a little off track. Get back to work. Not just with your hands, but with your heart. There's lots we need to do. And in the interim period, apparently they had done well. And Paul is commending them. Your faith is increasing. Your faith is growing, and as a result of your growing faith, your love is increasing. Now, as churches, our primary role is to grow our faith so that our love will increase. If we are not doing both of these things, we are failing one another in our mission as a congregation. A growing faith should naturally call for an increase in love. And then comes in the trajectory of this scripture, this beautiful word, therefore. If your faith is growing, if your love is increasing, it's sort of a formula. If this is true, your faith is growing, and this is true, your love is increasing, then this also must be true. Therefore, now what do you think comes next? Everybody likes me. I'm the most popular guy at my job. I am so successful 
I'm prospering in everything I do. What comes next? What is the therefore? I feel so good about myself. I'm just so, I don't know, completed. Because it's all about not me. It turns out, therefore, you have been made steadfast. You have steadfastness. Not popularity, not success. This sort of alludes to the psalm, like a tree growing by the water, I shall not be moved. A growth in faith, an increase in love, yields the therefore. You have steadfastness. Steadfastness. For what? Well, it turns out, then and now, we can be steadfast during persecutions and afflictions. Now, this may sound like a, a foreign concept. Well, that's good for those folks in those places where persecutions and afflictions take place. Forgetting sometimes that there are people in our congregation who every Sunday morning spend an incredible amount of time just getting out of bed and getting dressed and getting ready to come here and be with us. Because this congregation, people in these Sunday school classes have meant so much to these folks, they don't want to miss out. In the midst of their afflictions, they have felt a steadfastness from others that allows them to feel a sense of empowerment and courage in the midst of their afflictions. Persecutions. I have the privilege of wearing this stole today. It reminds me of several things. It was given to me by Marianne Crouch because we had gone together on a mission trip to Honduras way back in 2003. And on that mission trip, we experienced together all kinds of amazing experiences, but we also saw incredible difficulty. People living with horrible afflictions, persecutions that were real and frightening. As we concluded our mission trip, she purchased this quietly, hand-woven in Honduras in a little shop and gave it to me so that we together could remember those experiences. A couple of years later, I wore this on my robe to a community Thanksgiving service at a local church. Hundreds of people had gathered for this community Thanksgiving service, and I was a part of the program. I was wearing this stole, thinking of Marianne Crouch and the experiences we shared together in Honduras. Following the service, a woman came running up to me. She hugged me. Thank you, thank you, she said. I had no idea what she was talking about. I finally pulled back a little bit, noticed that she had tears in her eyes, and she said, thank you for wearing those colors. She said, my story is so complicated, but let me just tell you, I was outed at my job. I lost my work. My family rejected me. The people who had been my friends turned their backs on me. They all said I should change. And I tried to explain, this is who 
I am. I can't not be me. And I lost everyone I cared about, including my church. Thank you for wearing those colors of inclusivity and compassion for people like me. I didn't have the courage to tell her this was a stole from Honduras. I wasn't intending to send a message about inclusiveness for the LGBTQ community. But her testimony to me and her powerful description of her persecution made me realize I will never wear this again without that perspective. Not only of the suffering in Honduras, but the persecution, sadly, we perpetrate on one another when we turn our backs on the truth of how God has made us. Her reminder to me the power of church, the community of faith, the place where we can support and love one another in the midst of afflictions and persecutions that aren't far off, but are right here, right now. Some of you were in the service this past summer when our song, our gay and lesbian chorus that that sang for us in worship and blessed us. And many of us afterwards were saying, what a blessing they had given to us. And they responded in the choir, no, you don't know what a blessing you gave to us by letting us sing in your sanctuary for worship. We have never done that before. And what a blessing it was. Your faith is growing. Your love is increasing. Therefore, you have steadfastness, strength. You can help make people brave again and you can be made brave yourself. It's an amazing gift we give to each other when we gather together. So we pray, we must pray, that we be made worthy of our callings. This is a fascinating word, ecclesia, it literally means called out ones. It's the, the term that the early church claimed for themselves. Originally, it had stood for, way back in Athens, the gathering of people in a kind of a democratic gathering where you talk about the events of the day and different things. It simply meant coming together and gathering. But the etymology of the word literally means to be called out, ek, out of, klesia, to be called. The church realizing the importance of this and the reality, the truth of their own experience said this is what God is doing in us. We may think we are showing up on a Sunday morning to be with our friends and to enjoy fellowship, but in fact the reality is this quiet, under-the-radar calling. You may not have realized it, but you have been brought to this place because you are being called out of who you think you are and into what God wants you and needs you to be. Because you're a part of this gathering of called-out ones supporting each other in beauty and truth 
in faith, in hope, in love. So we pray, we pray that we may be worthy of our callings. And we pray also that we will fulfill, now this is a scary phrase for some of us, that we will fulfill, it sort of dangles out there that there's something, oh my goodness, I've got to do, I'm not sure I'm worthy, I don't think I can, until we see the next phrase, by God's power. It's not about me or what I bring to the table, but it's what God can do through me that is powerful, unexpected, miraculous, beautiful. We will fulfill by God's power every good resolve. He asked if we could have breakfast together. This was at my previous church. We sat together over breakfast at House of Pancakes, and he said to me, I have been asked to be the chair of our stewardship committee next year. He said, I feel honored for the request, but I also feel intimidated, frightened, and even, he said, I'm going to confess to you, hypocritical. Because, he said, as much as I try to give of my time and my talents, when it comes to what I know the Bible says about tithing, which is a fancy Bible word for giving 10% of what God has given us. In the Old Testament, the idea was when the harvest came, you take 10% of what you have brought and harvested and you give it away as an offering to God, an offering offering of gratitude for all that God has blessed me with, I then give 10%. So he said, I, I feel hypocritical because I have never tithed. I give and I try to do the best I can, but I've never tithed. Can I be the chair of the stewardship committee without tithing? We talked about back and forth. What does this mean? And concluded together, God calls us to do the best we can. God calls us to see this tithing as a, as a goal, as something that we, we can and should do. With the acknowledgement that there are people in that congregation and this congregation that give more than a tithe, that are incredibly generous. There are lots of people who tithe, but there are lots of people who just give what they can, as best they can, as much as they can. This idea of resolution is difficult because most of, them, most of us associate this with New Year's resolutions, and most of us don't do so well with those. But this is a little different because this is by God's power. We will fulfill what we resolve to do. And what we ask together as a church, and by the way, I confess this in our Fresh Start service, and I will confess it now. I don't like talking about money. I don't do it well, and it harks back all these these memories growing up of these TV preachers talking about money all the time. And I pledge to myself, I'm never going to do that. And many of you have reminded me, you don't do that. And therefore, we're behind on our budget. So you better do it. So get with it. So I'm trying. I confess to you, 
I don't like talking about money, but this is a very sacred endeavor you and I are on. Because often what we give monetarily is a reflection of what we're seeking to give spiritually. And the more we give monetarily, sometimes the more we're opened up to do spiritually. My father gave great wisdom to this. My father as my father and also as my pastor. I saw him one year filling out the pledge card, which some of you, I hope all of you should have gotten in the mail with a letter from me and a letter from Damon Korn, the chair of our stewardship. My father was filling out a pledge card. And as a young boy, I was curious about what that meant and, and how that worked. And this whole idea of a tithe. And my dad said, very much like this flow of the biblical passage, all I know to tell you, he said, is when you seek to be faithful in your giving, when you do the best you can, all I know is I don't know how it works, but when we have given generously over the years, we have never been in need. We've always had enough. I don't know how that works. I just know that it is. When our faith is growing, when our love is increasing, we can be steadfast together. A place where we offer support and our support a place where we are included and welcomed in love for who we are. A place where we can be thankful that each week we leave from this place, hopefully a little better than we were when we came. And we resolve to make this place continue as a vibrant house of God, a place where faith is real, expanding, and generating new and beautiful things. A place where your good faith, our good faith together, will do amazing, unimaginable things. Not for our own glory, but as the scripture concludes, to the glory of the name of Jesus Christ, by the grace of God. Thanks be to God. Amen.